This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Tournament time is upon us, BYU and the WCC tourney. Uh, championship game against Gonzaga coming up tonight. Of course, the Mountain West tournament coming, the Pac-12 tournament. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, Gordon, with the Big Sky tournament with uh, uh, potential to have a large impact locally. Uh, the WAC tournament as well with UVU playing good basketball. So see how many teams uh, get into the big dance from Utah. But, uh, you know, this time of year is fun. Yes, it is. And uh, well, let's, uh, let's get right to it. All right, uh, jumping out to the zone phone, we welcome him back to the big show. Makes the magic happen for SB Nation. He's uh, Chris Dobertine with us. Hi, Chris. How are you? Oh, not too bad. How about yourselves? Hey, we're we're doing great. Excited that uh, that um, uh, tournament time is here because you know we, uh, over the last year, I think a lot of us have learned not to take too much for granted. So happy it's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it really kind of feels like it's been a year. It feels like we're we're kind of at the opposite point to where we were at this time, you know, one year ago where you just felt like something bad was going to happen and feels like good things are finally on the horizon here in March of 2021. Are there any teams from the state of Utah who you think might be able to make it, not just make the tournament, but uh, make a dent in it? Well, I think BYU is going to have a shot. Um, right now I have the Cougars projected as a seven seed. Obviously, if they can you know, somehow beat Gonzaga tonight, they could end up rising up a seed line or two. Um, obviously, the thing for them is they want to avoid that 8-9 game because I think at that point, you know, you're, you're really playing with fire. You can get that first game taken care of, but that second game is going to be really difficult no matter who you're taking on. Um, I have them paired with Michigan State right now, which should be a fascinating 7-10 and 10 matchup. And then, you know, potentially Alabama in the second round, which would be tough. Um, right now I have Utah State in my first four out. You know, I think they could be in a position where, you know, they either win the Mountain West tournament or they do enough compared to Boise State and Colorado State in particular that they end up getting in the field probably as a 12 seed. And, you know, in that 5-12 matchup, I think you're really set up to maybe even make a great Sweet 16 run just based on the teams that are there. So if they can get there, I think they may even have a slightly better shot just because of the draw that the the four and five matchup presents itself more so than the one of the two seeds this year. So on that note, help me with my math a little bit. How many um, Mountain West teams do you see getting in? Right now, I think it's probably going to end up being three. I think it's going to San Diego State is clearly there. And I think two out of Colorado State, Boise State, and Utah State get there. Um, of course, the Boise State, their big thing is, you know, they're in a 4-5 matchup with Nevada, a team that beat them twice in Reno already. So that's going to be very problematic for them, you know, when they had that quarterfinal game on Thursday. What's your evaluation of Gonzaga? I mean, how good is this team this year? Yeah, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm sick of seeing people saying, you know, Gonzaga is bored. You know, they're going to get taken out early. This team is the real deal, and I think that the way that they've played and 
in the West Coast Conference this year has really shown that, yeah, there have been some slight stumbles, but this is a team that really is not in position to take any prisoners between now and Indianapolis. And I think that, you know, they have enough talent where I think they're top 10 players. I mean, if you were to flip them off into two starting fives, I think they could be the one, probably the one seed and the three seed overall out of the top four. I think that they have enough depth and enough talent to really make a run. And I think it's pretty clearly going to be between them, Baylor, and maybe Michigan or Illinois. But I think that of that, of that group of four, I think that they are the clear favorite going into the to, to the round of 64 uh, next week. So uh, Gordon asked me this earlier, and we, we batted it about a little bit, but uh, Gonzaga, uh, what is what has Mark Few figured out, not only you know overall as a program, but really to take it to the next level? Because we were talking about you know how back when Jimmer was at BYU, they actually beat Gonzaga in the tournament, and how we were both surprised BYU had not gotten over the hump of, of winning a WCC championship. And it, you know, in the discussion, we kind of talked about how Gonzaga is even on a different level than they were 10 years ago. So what is, what has Mark figured out to become one of the elite programs in the country? Well, I think that one thing has helped him particularly this year is he's actually taken note of the transfer market and gotten some key guys that can actually help there without disrupting the team chemistry. Cause you know, if you rely too much on transfers, they end up taking over your program, and they really, really kind of ruin the culture that you're trying to build as a coach. And that's something Mark Few, you know, in his long tenure now at Gonzaga, has really kind of focused on. And also, I mean, you kind of think about the challenges of this year. You know, Gonzaga was going to have a very strong non-conference schedule anyway. They had to do a lot of shuffling. They were still able to put together a really strong non-conference schedule, even with all the challenges of this year. And I think that going, looking. At previous years, the way that they've been able to do that year in and year out has given them the experience that they need to kind of go back on. But they can look back at all those games we played in November and December once they get into March, and that gives them a lot of opportunity to have a lot of success against very different types of teams when they actually get into the tournament. How do you feel about what Mark Pope is doing at BYU? He came in last year. That team, Jake and I both believed that that team was good enough. After we saw yeah. them beat uh, Gonzaga uh, at the Marriott Center there, we thought that team had a chance to do something in the postseason. What mm-hmm. do you make of what he's uh, done last year and what he's done with this team this time around? Uh, he's taken a program that had really just kind of stagnated and brought completely new life to it. And, you know, this year there were a lot of, you know, there were again, there were a lot of bumps in the road this season. And this was a Cougar team that was able to kind of get through that. This was a team that, you know, you think back a month ago, a lot of people thought they were definitely, you know, more on the bubble. But they were able to, you know, take care of business in a very difficult West Coast Conference this year, you know, even with an inconsistent schedule, and get themselves in position where, you know, they could have lost yesterday and been a lock to get into the tournament. This isn't tournament-related, but talking about the University of Utah, uh, the basketball program hasn't uh, delivered the results I think a lot of fans have been looking for for, for a few years uh-huh. now. But where do you, what do you think are realistic expectations for a Utah basketball program in the Pac-12? Well, I, I look at the conference this year, and you look at the success Colorado's having. You know, I have them as a 5C right now. They've kind of been in that 4-6 to six range all year. You look at the fact that there's only – Four teams projecting the field. There's a lot of room for growth. And I think that Utah, you know, especially with its 
with its history in college basketball, you know, with the right coach and the right recruiting plan can actually get up there and be a consistent top six team. And more often than not, being a top six team in the Pac-12, you're going to be set to get in the field, you know, every four out of five years, and that would be really good for, for the youth program. You mentioned earlier that last year at this time there was sort of this doom and gloom, and this time around there's some light at that uh, into that tunnel. Uh, what what's your projection for what the NCAA tournament is going to look like uh, being held in the state of Indiana? Uh, the one thing that I'm going to be very interested to see is how this affects you know the usual crowds that we get because you kind of think about the tournament, especially the first couple of rounds where you get the potential for an upset and you're used to having, you know, a a neutral crowd cheering on the underdog. And this year you're not going to quite have the size of those crowds, but if you're thinking about having a tournament in Indiana, it's going to probably mostly be locals that are able to attend. There's probably not going to be a ton of traveling support, I don't think. You know, how is that going to change things? And for a lot of teams, this is going to be, you know, one of their first opportunities, if not the first, depending on the conference, where you're playing with fans all season. And that, I think, is going to be a very fascinating thing to check out um, as well. But in terms of the site, I think the site is great because you are going to be in Indiana. You're going to have knowledgeable fans, you know, a place where basketball really is the number one sport. And I think that's going to make it a little more fun, even with all the challenges you're going to have. Chris Daubertine is with us, SB Nation, also uh, bloggingthebracket.com. Make sure to check that out. But, Chris, I believe you're located in Chicago. Is that right? That is correct. So you're there in Big Ten country, and I saw this come across today. Um, is a radio uh, guy slash writer in Detroit named Bob Wojna, oh, let's see, Wojnowski excuse me, uh, had this tweet, and I'm curious to your reaction. Uh, not to circle back to Gonzaga, but here, here's what he said. Gonzaga is excellent, obviously, but I say this without reservation. If Illinois, Michigan, or Iowa played in the Zags League, whatever that is, they'd also be 24-0. and Fact. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, you kind of look at those teams, you know, what Michigan has to offer, what Illinois has to offer, and what Iowa has to offer this year. I mean, you look at Iowa with the, you know, player of the year nationally, player of the year in the Big Ten. Illinois has two players kind of at that level. Michigan has a couple players at that level. Yeah, I think so. To me, that's not really saying much of anything. I mean, you know, you kind of think about a team like Kentucky, but struggling this year, how, you know, kind of to flip the tables a little bit. How would the Wildcats do with the WCC this year with all their troubles? I don't think they'd have it so easy. I just think that those Big Ten teams would be successful no matter where they are just because of all the talent they have. And I think it's the same for Gonzaga. I think if you put them in the Big Ten, I think they would do really well, you know, and finish in the top three, top four, get a bye to the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals at least, if not win the league outright. I've sort of been paying attention to this, but only from a distance and not uh, studying it out. But let me ask it this way. What the heck's the matter with Duke this year? (laughs) I really don't know. I don't know if it's partially not having the Cameron crazies to back him up, if there was the whole whole Jalen Johnson drama, whether he wanted to be there in the first place, whether it's been injuries, whether it's been – Krzyzewski, you know, kind of, you know, losing some of his luster as a coach. I'm not sure what it is. And the fact is, you know, you have an ACC that's a little bit down this year. 
Yeah, they're going to send probably seven teams into the field, but the bottom of that league isn't that great. The middle of the league isn't very good. They're not being challenged all that much. So I can't really tell you what's wrong with Duke. I think that, you know, they just kind of hit a bad spot in a bad year. Uh, Who's the best conference right now, and who gets the most teams in? I'm going to say that the Big Ten is going to get the most teams in. They're going to get nine, but I think the best conference is going to be the Big 12. Even though the bottom three of the Big 12 is not great, those top seven teams, right now the lowest seed is a six. I mean, you're going to have a one seed, probably a two seed, but all of a sudden done probably a couple teams on the four line. And I think that strength right there at the top of the league really is kind of what sets them apart, as opposed to the Big Ten where you have, yeah, you have those four or five teams on the top 16 line. you got a few more teams that are kind of right near the bubble at this point. And then, of course, your bottom and, you know, Indiana and, and Minnesota in particular being disappointing and kind of falling off late has really kind of hurt them in terms of the strength department. Chris, there's something Jake and I uh, sort of have a running conversation about, and sometimes we joke about it, and sometimes I guess we could cry about it if we wanted to. But what is your evaluation of the overall state of college basketball? And do you feel like uh, you know something stinks uh, about what goes on? Do you are you suspicious when you see programs that dominate? Do you think there's something underhanded going on? I think the state of the sport at this point is is decent. I think that the fact that we've actually been able to play this year or going to have a tournament really is going to help because I think that if we didn't this year, we would be in major trouble going forward, especially with the new initiatives that are going along in terms of the G League. I see there's a new league coming out for, for you know teenagers to play where they're going to get paid. That could kind of hurt a little bit. In terms of you know kind of the – NCAA violations, the cheating aspect. I'm a little, you know, being from an SEC school, I'm kind of a little bit questioning, but I try not to be too cynical about it. Um, I I think that there's kind of been an arms race in terms of, you know, everybody kind of bettering facilities and all that. But I also think that there's a lot, there's enough talent out there, both domestically, internationally, you kind of think about the number of Canadian players that have kind of come into to play in the NCAA and, you know, players out of Europe as well who've come to, you know, forward their education as well. I think there's enough of a talent base there that that really doesn't matter too much. And coaches are able to build their programs up to a particular point, you know, in a variety of different ways. Well, Chris, we appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Enjoy tournament time. Absolutely. You too, guys. Thank you very much. That's uh, Chris Daubertine with us from SB Nation and uh, follow his work, bloggingthebracket.com. Anything he say there, Jake, that stands out to you? Oh, I thought he had a lot of good info. Um, I don't know if those Big Ten teams could roll rough shot through the WCC like he said, but maybe they could. But, uh, you know, his answer to the to the last question, Gordon, I as things change, and he mentioned the G League, and some of the rules changes, you know, it's been long rumored that the the one and done thing with the NBA is going to go away. I think it should. Uh, I think it will. It's just a matter of semantics now and when the next collective bargaining agreement comes up and those sorts of things. But I, I honestly think that's the path we're going down. And I think that it will be far better for college basketball if they could separate themselves a little bit from just being the one and done league. You know, let the one and done guys go play in the G League. 
because college sports isn't necessarily about the level of play as we know. So do you really are you really hurt if those top level high school talents go somewhere else? I don't think so. And maybe you get maybe you get more players opportunities who actually want the opportunity. That's I'm not surprised to hear you say that, Jake, because you've always been sort of a, a, a hey, this is college, that's what it should be kind of guy, uh, if that is a sort of kind of guy. Sure. But uh, but but I I don't know. I I wonder what it's gonna. <laughs> I wonder what it's gonna look like ten twenty years from now. You know, what kind of changes will be made? I know change comes very slowly, but I, I wonder. <laughs> What, what do you mean? Gonna, like, what uh, kind of changes do you mean? And we're just speculating here, of course, Gordon. But what yes. what are you getting at? Yeah. I I I wonder if the NCAA is going to have to get to the point where it's it's kind of more accepting of being wide open, you know. Uh, and I'm just guessing here, but it's so hard to police this thing, and I I wonder if at some point they might throw their hands in the air and just say whatever you know i is that is that uh is that being too cynical about the whole thing i, I don't mean, think they will because part of their mission statement is to create a level playing field because it's not supposed to be professional sports um mm-hmm. so i don't i see them getting out of the of the basketball game before i see them just saying whatever but i do think if you if you got rid of the one and done rule and you opened up other avenues um, for these young people to, you know, make it to where they want to go. And right now, you know, if you're LaMelo Ball, you have to go overseas, right? You have to go to Australia or Eastern Europe or where do the other ball kid play? Latvia or Slovenia? I'm trying to remember. Something like that. Something like that. You know, like uh-huh. that isn't the most attractive offer in the world, right? So if – you know, if the G League kind of experiments start to work and you can you can the, the, the high profile AAU, the players where everybody wants to, to get a piece of them, you know, if you can bring that above board a little bit and let them become professionals and let that be its own thing, maybe you get it out of college sports a little bit. And may, that's probably a naive take on my part. But, you know, I, I think a lot of this has to do with I mean, Ben Simmons is the great example, right? I mean, he was a, a clutch client before he came to LSU, more or less. I mean, yeah. his mm-hmm. his sister was hired by Clutch. And if you don't think that there was some, you know, handshaking going on, then I think that's naive. I mean, let let Ben Simmons go do his thing. Don't let don't make him come through the collegiate uh, process to make a mockery of it. Just let him go sign with Clutch and play in the yeah. G League or whatever. You know, that type yeah. of thing. If you get rid of that element, and because we're only talking about the, what, top 1% of high school basketball recruits, you know, let that 1% go do their thing, and maybe the rest of the 99% can really benefit from college sports. And maybe you can get a, uh, the shoe companies at least divested from it just a little bit. It's impossible to get them out of the game alt- altogether because – they're sponsoring these schools, but maybe right. you could get it on less of a personal level. Okay, I I, I suppose we'll see. I uh, hate uh, amateurism. Pay those college athletes. <laughs> and by the way, I love it. It's so delicious that uh, they've in the in all the new national uh, what is it? What the image and name, image and likeness and stuff. You know the grand uh-huh. exemption from all that. Can't get a shoe deal. Hey, we're let we'll let you sell cars. 
We'll let you market clothing. We'll let you put out a rap album. We'll let you put out a... a, a, a An OnlyFans account. A, a barbershop oh, quartet album. Whatever sure. whatever you want to do. On OnlyFans. You can, be a, you can be a TikTok star. You can do whatever. But you can't endorse a shoe brand. You have Is one shoe. The, is that because of the crossover? You don't drive a car onto the court during a game? You know, uh, I don't shoes. know the rationale, but the reason is is because the shoe companies are invested in the universities, and the university isn't about to go, well, no, we don't want that money. We'd rather have that money go into the individual hands of our players. They're, they're absolutely not going to cross that bridge. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, we'll see. I mean, I don't know how it's all going to turn out. Uh, it, I, I think it probably does weigh heavy on the minds of some some fans um, who who wonder what it is that's going on, really. Maybe, maybe the evolution that will take place will just be getting rid of the, the, the nickel and diamond, you know, the little stuff, and uh, try and focus on on the bigger stuff, you know. Want to remind There's, you about it? Yeah. No, I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree with you, Gordon. I think, I think mm-hmm. you're on to it. Uh, want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That's 801-253-3080 at uh, Davis Vision. Uh, so big thanks to uh, Chris for jumping on with us today. Uh, we'll have what's going on for you coming up at 4 o'clock. Uh, and then at 5, Sarah Todd, who covers the jazz for the uh, Deseret News, is going to jump on the show and uh, was predominantly featured in the documentary there over the weekend. Uh, was yeah, it, an e- it was an E60, right, Austin? E60 documentary? Yeah, man in the Middle. It was really good. Which uh, the beginning of the pandemic going, is it a year ago today? What the, the microphone thing was today. The microphone thing was a year ago today. Which was maybe the most blown out of proportion part of the last year. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. And but, the game obviously was the 11th. So, And then everything was shut down by the 12th. Remarkable how quickly that happened. I mean, it's, yeah. it's true. We talked about it at the time, Gordon, but uh, this uh, this arena where I'm currently sitting, this franchise, Rudy, was the center of the coronavirus universe for a uh, uh, the center of the world's attention for a brief period, sure. which was pretty, it's, which it's was pretty was. wild. It really That's was. True. That night in Oklahoma City shut down this country. I mean, uh, let alone the world. I mean, it it was something. Oh man, I'm glad it's all in the rear view, and I hope uh, I'm hoping for better times, just like Chris was saying. Oh, I totally disagree. I'd, let's go through it again. No, it again. yeah, that's what I would think you would say. But uh, this is this is one more instance of you uh, veering off into uh, a bad direction. You call that a pandemic? <laughs> I've had a great Bring time. Bring it on. Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.